Hey friends, we're here again with uh, Buck Brownman, Isaac Johnson, and myself. We're at Buck's place here in Sheridan, Wyoming. And uh, we were just sitting here in the tack room visiting and wanted to take a little time to share some stories of ours, highlight some of yours, and make a little reveal on something we've been working at here at Three Rain. So, but before we get started with, with all that, I had something that I wanted to bring up and share. It happened last week and I thought it was pretty cool. So. Anyways, I was pulling through town. I had a load of horses with me and I was going to stay over. I pulled into the arena here and kicked them out back, the horses. and I walked into the arena and what I saw was, it's just, it's really cool. Isaac, I'm sure you've had the, the same experience, but um, I walked in and I saw Buck, you were in there working that colt, Jiminy. And I leaned up on the round crowd and we were visiting while he was riding around. And it just, a thought kind of hit me as, I bet this is pretty similar to what it was like, you know, 40 years ago for you before everybody out there really knew who you were. And it got me to thinking about all the preparation and all those experiences and how that tied into your career and what, you know, just how that, how that made everything possible for you. All the preparation you did back then, how that translated into what you do so well now. And, uh, and so, I just we'd love to hear about that journey and and how that all went well yeah it was pretty similar I guess in the fact that you know I know some people that are in the in the horse business or even the clinic business if you want to call it that that are pretty talented and have been of course I've seen generations of clinicians come and go since I started sure but they uh, they really could ride well but they only seemed to ride well when there was someone sitting on the fence admiring every move right. they made exactly and uh, the the putting in the time and that's what a lot of people maybe don't realize because they didn't know me back in the day when I first got started and you guys have heard this story before but when uh, when I got started, when I when I first quit cowboying, it just sort of worked out that way. I had been riding colts for an outfit near Three Forks, Montana, and uh, I had no intention of really striking out of my own and riding horses for the public. And, and Lord knows I had no intention of doing clinics because in those days I couldn't couldn't hardly uh, get myself to speak to someone that I didn't know that wasn't a personal friend. So I take it you didn't have your Bigfoot system and all the and a, tech, and a tech team like You couldn't have gotten in. me in the same room with a microphone <laughs> in those days. And, and I, I did clinics for quite a while without a microphone. I was like, I don't need any part of that stuff. <laughs> I'll just yell. I'll just yell at them. <laughs> well, when I just, what kind of started the whole journey for me is, uh, there had been kind of a changeover at this ranch where I was, and and come to find out the the people that were buying it, well, us cowboys didn't know, but it was a a drug cartel out of Costa Rica, <laughs> and there had been this guy, kind of a kind of a mean looking guy. All of a sudden, he was showing up at the ranch and started kind of bossing everybody around, and of course, we had a a farm crew and a cowboy crew and I do it like this because we were never like this obviously and we had our side of the cookhouse we ate on and 
the farmers had the other side and we just didn't relate to each other that much and well this this new guy that was hanging around kind of decided to align himself with the farmers which was all right and uh but pretty soon he started to become kind of verbally abusive to some of the cowboys and and my best friend chucho a mexican fella that i'd been cowboying with for years he i'd first met him when he was going to montana state studying agronomy and he'd come out and help his doctor cattle well we'd had a, we'd had a cow die because she needed a cesarean and the uh the ranch truck that we'd been using and the radio had been taken by one of the farmers and uh, so anyway long story short the cow died and it was just because one of the farmers messed up so uh, I brought it up in the cookhouse I'm sure it comes as a shocker to you I was kind of leading the cowboy crew <laughs> no. and, and uh, so I, I I just told the farmer that was responsible for this cow dying. I said, man, that's not cool. You can't, you can't do that. We need that radio because it was six miles right in, right mm -hmm. into where we were calving these cows. Wow. And, uh, so it was, it was a big wreck and, and this guy stood up and, and he said, you, uh, you got anything to say, you go through me. And, uh, and then he, he looked at Chucho and he said, you lessen me, you little Mexican. You don't let him fight your battles for you, he said, or you aren't going to be here very long. Well, I stood up and said, you listen to me. You don't tell me what to do or this friend of mine right here. And I said, you speak to a cowboy on this outfit with some respect. And he said, why don't you just stand down? You just sit down. I said, you can tell me what to do when you're writing my check until then. You keep your mouth shut or I'll take you out in the yard and I'll whip you. <clears throat> well, turned out the next morning I found out he was writing the checks. <laughs> <laughs> the irony. So, having heard that. Your bags were packed. <laughs> I finished my breakfast in the cookhouse and went and rolled my bed and away I went. I, I had 600 bucks in my pocket and a pickup that barely ran. And away I went, I didn't even have a horse trailer. I actually had to get a ride back. I had one horse and I just got him because he was bucking everybody off the ranch and they gave him to me. I had to go back to the ranch, saddle up the horse and long trot him to where I was gonna be next, <laughs> which was a long ways. Is that the place in Gallatin Gateway? No, I, I made one stop in between. Okay. So I had long trot him about 25 miles to my foster parents ranch and I left him off there oh, man. and then a few days later I went up the Gallatin Canyon I thought well I'll try this horse thing riding for the public because it seems like having a job isn't working out for me that well <laughs> and and I went up there and I talked to Bud Griffith who was manager of that outfit and he charged me six hundred dollars to have that that indoor to ride of course in the Gallup Valley, as you guys know, you better have an indoor arena. But I had this indoor arena and <clears throat> my one horse, no customers, nothing to ride. But I had enough money left over, I had a roll of dimes. <clears throat> and I, uh, I rented an apartment at the Gallatin Gateway Inn. 
which is now a fancy restaurant and hotel. Yeah. Well, at the time, it was an abandoned restaurant and hotel, and they just kept the bar open just so they could hold their liquor license. I rented the I rented the uh, apartment that was cheapest, the one that didn't have any windows in one end, <clears throat> and uh, I didn't even have enough money to put gas in my truck. I just parked it behind, and it was about oh, five miles, six miles up the Gallatin Canyon to uh, where this indoor was, and uh, I trotted back and forth every day. You weren't supposed to have a horse in their backyard, but I would come in at night after dark and I'd picket my horse out and then I'd get up in the morning before it was daylight, saddle him up and away I'd go. And uh, every night that first few nights I'd spend my dimes right outside the bar in the hallway just calling every horse person I could find or that I'd ever known to try to get some colts. And before I got through the roll of dimes, I got two or three horses. And, uh, <clears throat> man, I was struggling because I didn't, I didn't have any money left and I had a bag of Krusty's pancake mix and a skillet and a fork. <laughs> That's all I had. <laughs> and uh, you could make those pancakes, you could add water, so that was yeah. pretty convenient. And uh, I didn't have any money until I put a month in on these horses, so I lived on the pancakes. That's all I ate. And... Uh, <clears throat> but I, you know, I got by fine, and once I got those three horses out, gosh, I felt like I was the richest guy in the world. Because I, I was making pretty big money. It was 125 bucks a month mm -hmm. per horse. Yeah. So I had a pocket. I had a load of money. Yeah. <laughs> a month later, and, uh, and then pretty soon one turned into another to another, and I'd say within. Oh, probably within six months, I had all the horses I could ride. And uh, <clears throat> I didn't know where I was going, but I, but I wasn't lost. And Ray Hunt always said that. I didn't know what it turned into. I didn't plan on doing clinics. I just wanted to ride horses for the public, and I liked the freedom of just riding outside horses, even though, you know, you'd have 12 or 15 bosses if you want to get picky about it. But... But the beauty of that was, is I could fire them and replace them with another horse. So I rode and the way I did it is I'd catch all my horses up, line them up along a wall, and there'd be 12, 14 horses every day. And I rode till I run out of horses. I didn't have, I didn't even own a watch. I didn't care because that time didn't make that much difference. So I rode kind of around the clock. I'd ride till I ran out of horses and I'd go get something to eat, sleep, get up, do it again. So there were times where I might be having breakfast at two in the afternoon and then by three I was riding again and then I might ride till three or four the next morning and, and then I'd have a little breakfast and go back to bed. I just... I rode till I ran out of horses, I ate when I was hungry, and I slept when I was tired. And so you never knew when I might be out there. And it was, I did that for the longest time. And I was free. All I had to do was ride horses. And 
and uh, you know things gradually changed but honestly I'd have been perfectly content doing it that way the rest of my life yeah you know but uh, I got sort of tricked into to doing this what I do now because there were enough kind of people I'd gotten to be friends with I rode colts with or for around the Gallatin Valley there and and uh, they said would you just show us what you're doing and in those days you know I'd, I would just tell them I'd say go to a Ray Hunt clinic that's where I learned it why are you bothering me when you got Ray Hunt well they finally convinced me to do a little afternoon thing and uh, this friend of mine bugged me enough that I finally said alright I'll do one and then that's it and oh there must have been I don't know, 10 or 12 people there so maybe 15 and it was just gonna be a two or three hour little get-together and I was so damn nervous I, I couldn't hardly speak so I'm sure all that came out was just me just mimicking the things I'd heard from Ray Hunt. It didn't really come from here much, it just came from here because sure. I had a pretty good memory, yeah. so I was just copying what I'd heard yeah. from Ray. And it may have not even been relevant to the situation, but I was just kind of filling space with something good to say. the little gems of knowledge. <laughs> it was I good information. Remember. Yeah, it was good information. It might not have applied. Yeah. <laughs> but Somebody given a different day, it would have been perfectly right. useful. Yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> But I, at the end of the day, I was so disappointed in myself because that bothered me so much. I was so scared to do that and nervous and upset. I hated that about myself. And, um, and I decided I'd go ahead and do that on Saturday afternoons at my place until I felt like I had conquered that because I felt personally for myself I needed to get past that part because I was probably someone would think of me as being socially crippled <laughs> and uh, so I did that and gosh then it turned out on a, on a really good Saturday afternoon and I was getting my own horses rode anyway on a really good Saturday afternoon I could make 250 bucks well, gosh, that was huge. Yeah. So I kept on doing it and kept on doing it. And then pretty soon a friend of mine asked me to come down to California and do a clinic. It's because he was dating a girl that was running the horse barn at the Malibu Riding and Tennis Club. And uh, I said, sure, I'll do it. I thought that sounded like a fun trip anyway. Sure. And uh, that was really my first kind of a big deal out of state. And, and But it was pretty humble beginnings for a long time. You know, I would, I'd have to, I had a little old two horse trailer, pretty well rusted out. I'd like to tell you what color it was, but it, it had changed over time. It was rust. Rust coloration. <laughs> and, Vintage. and my pickup had a bunch of teeth knocked off on the flywheel. So... I always kept a pair of handy-andy gloves under my feet and I'd be careful when I pulled up to a clinic because you know you want people to feel like you kind of got it going on you know and I'd always park, park off by myself 
in case it you shut it off at just the wrong time you'd have to crawl under there and spin the flywheel so you could start it again and, and then that you know didn't look real good but that's kind of how it all started and gosh one thing led to another but it was just word of mouth you yeah. know it just you know a little bit like the the three rain thing has has been in the early stages is just kind of word of mouth people talking about it and if it's a good thing you're talking about more people know about it and more people talk about it and and uh gosh it's now it's been all i've done for 38 years now so it worked out and i i mean the cool part about it is like you were talking about riding around the clock that's what made it possible for those people to want to come to learn from you. Yeah. Because I had to work at it. It wasn't. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're talented at it, but there is an element to it that it, talent only goes so far. Right. Right. Well, I'm pretty sure I know darn good well if you, if you interviewed Tiger Woods or Kobe Bryant, <laughs> They, you know, obviously they're amazing athletes and gifted, but, but you're right. That only goes so far. Those guys work their tail off. They've hit a few golf balls yeah. and shot a few jump shots. Yeah. And that's yep. what it is. You, you gotta be okay to be out there by yourself alone, not waiting for somebody to clap their hands or approve of you. And, uh, believe me, there was a lot of nights where I would... I'd sit down on the edge of the arena and cry because I wanted to be better. All I ever wanted to be was a good hand. Mm -hmm. And I was just so disappointed that I just didn't seem like I could get it or that I would ever get it. And of course in those days, once in a while I could call Ray Hunt if I could ever catch him. And, uh, and he'd help me and encourage me a little bit and the way I'd go again. But I, through all of the frustration and euphoria and despair that you experience while you're working at this stuff, I never, ever considered quitting, ever, ever. And I've never quit anything I've ever done. Yeah. And uh, you guys have heard me talk about it before. Some, there are some people have a whole lot of quit in them. Sure. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So the horse thing might not work for him, but pretty much nothing else is going to work for him either. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to talk about the humble beginnings, but it also made you who you are today, as far as being able to show up to a clinic and be able to teach or help anyone with any given problem because of all of those horses that you've worked with and all the hard work you put into it makes it possible for you to do that. Oh yeah, it does. And you know, it's, you're never gonna know everything or, <clears throat> or uh, you know, feel like you just got it. Yeah. But there's a point to where you've got a hell of a lot more than everybody else that you're helping. You should have. <laughs> sure. I often joke around about it and I, and I say, you know what, there was a time when I thought to do clinics that you needed to be not knowledgeable and experienced and confident and worldly. Yeah. And well, apparently I was wrong about that because 
I was just at the NFR a couple of days ago when I was talking to a guy, a great old bronc rider, Butch Small. And uh, I said, Butch, he said, gosh, I've just, I've known about you for years. He said, I'm just, I'm, I feel like I'm meeting a legend. And I said, well, I said, you'd be more unique, Butch, to say that you'd met somebody tonight that didn't do clinics for a living. <laughs> yeah. That would make it a really yeah. unique evening for <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's something <laughs> to brag about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as we, as we talk about this, it makes me think about um, one trait that I see in you as you teach. And when you're out there helping people, it's not, it, it doesn't look like it's about you. What you're teaching is about them. You're trying to help them. You're not out there pontificating on some point that you drew up the night before in your trailer that you wanted everybody to know that you knew. Yeah, it's, you know, the, probably the, the greatest <clears throat> attribute that Ray Hunt and Tom Dorrance had that, that I admired so much was with all of the knowledge and ability that they had, they were the most humble people I've ever known. Mm -hmm. And that just, it made them just really unique and neat people to be around, you know. Sure. And, and it has to stay about the horse. It has to be about the horse in the beginning. And even when you achieve a certain amount of success, it has to still be about the horse or it's over. Yeah. Yeah, and that kind of leads right into, like Noah talked about, we had a little thing we wanted to reveal today. We've been working on a project we call Project Arche. And what Arche means, it's a Greek term that I'm, I'm Noah Greek. had something to do with it. Yeah, I had a little something to do with it. <laughs> But uh, what Arche means is the beginning or the origin of power. And what this project is, we started it with, with the end, end user in mind, the enthusiast, the equestrian enthusiast. We want to hear your guys' needs, your stories, your comments. So we've put together this platform, and it's available through our website at 3rain.com. And it's a place where you can share all of those things, your concerns, your stories, because just like we talked about, over the years, we learn from riding a bunch of horses or being at different events, clinics, different teachers. We also learn from each other. There are so many things that we can learn by watching or hearing from, from other people on their experiences, maybe what not to do, stuff like that. And we're creating this platform to help us tailor our build, our building our infrastructure and three rain to help you guys. Because what is the point of what we're doing here if it's not focused to help someone, if it's not built in that way, if it's just what we wanted to build because we wanted to build it and no one's going to benefit from it. Sure. Well, you know, I think of it like, and you know, I'm a technological dinosaur which I'm very proud of. <laughs> but at the same rate, to for people that are just getting involved in the horse business, having horses, and it might not be the horse business, it might just be that they have a horse. They just love horses. It, in fact, honestly, for all of you people watching, 
you're better off not to make it a business. <laughs> <laughs> but because it's a tough business to succeed at. But the point is, is it's for the love of the horse. It's the love of the art of working with horses. Right. And, and for some of you, that may turn into a business if you keep it an art. And, but to be able to, to think of it like this, that, you know, even me at this stage in my life, if, if I want to know something I don't know the answer to, I Google it just like the rest of you people. But there are plenty of things that, that come up regarding having horses and livestock that you might not have somebody to go to <clears throat> to ask them the question. And, and uh, this would be a resource to where, you know, maybe you decided you're going to go ride in a clinic with me and it's five states away. Well, for some of you, putting a horse into a horse trailer and crossing five states would scare the crap out of you worse than it would riding with me. And <laughs> because of the, just the planning and things that you'd have to do when it comes to your health and your Coggins and your brand inspections and where you're going to stop over with your horse and how long you ought to haul him and what you need to do and what you ought to feed him and gosh, the list goes on forever. It's things I don't even think about. I've been hauling for decades and I don't even think about it it's nothing but it's a major thing for well, someone maybe to... one of the reasons they're coming is because they have an issue getting their horse into the trailer <laughs> be nice to get him in there to get to the clinic huh yeah, exactly <laughs> and then believe me there have been a lot of people that have come to my clinics and watched and said I was going to be riding here but we've been two or three days trying to get my horse in the trailer and exactly. the clinic started and he still isn't in yeah so we thought the best we could do is come and watch and yeah well, that's a heck of a thing, but they might have been able to get enough information through yeah. something like this to, ride with to get them there, and then I could help them, you know, kind of get the job done exactly. and have it be a little more of a permanent solution. But, but that's just one example out of hundreds that, that you know, I look at it like it could be something like a Google or, or where you just, because of all the people watching this and giving you guys more and more ideas for how to expand this into eventually you can't think of something that you're going to encounter having horses that there isn't a, a resource a, right. an answer yeah a solution you know yeah you're exactly right um it, it gives us a way to help you guys and like buck was saying with those stories or those concerns we'd love to discuss them on the leading rein you know help you guys out with what you are doing to where you can have better success in the future. We had an interesting story on our last um, leading reign. That's yeah, um, a good example. Yeah, a woman reached out to us after attempting to listen to it, but she's hearing impaired. So the uh, listening didn't work out so well for her. So she had a friend help her transcribe what we said so that she could be a part of it because She's been in love with horses and loved learning horsemanship from Buck for the last 20 years, but with the deterioration of her, or her hearing, it's been very difficult. This just makes it possible for us to gain, to, to create more access to you guys so that you're capable of joining in and, you know, learning better what you love. 
uh, about the horse and we can help you do that. Well, and, and as we, we've talked about before, there are, every time I turn on my computer and look at my emails, which is, you know, I try to stay on top of it once every three or four months. <laughs> Ooh. I'll open that up. And so if you can't get a hold of him, he's on his email probably. <clears throat> if, the, if the phone's not ringing, it's me. <laughs> but I, you know, there's just year after year people will say, we'd love you to come to Denmark and Hungary and Germany and Dubai and wherever. And, and that's great. And I appreciate the interest and, and I'm a little, at times I would be a little sad for them because I would have to tell them, you know, I'm probably never going to get there. I'm, I'm so busy in the States here and I do some stuff internationally, of course, but I'm doing about as much as I can. And yet you wish that they could be a part of what we're all a part of every day of our lives. Yeah. Right. They want it just as bad as you guys mm -hmm. sure. do. And, and this might provide access to where they, someone on the other side of the world can feel a part of this yeah. and be able to enjoy and learn and get some good out of it. Because for a lot of people, it's just not possible for them to cross the other side of the world to ride with me or spend time with me in person. And it'd be great if they could, but this would at least give them access to information and knowledge that uh, they're not gonna get any other way. So yeah. I'm pretty excited about that in that respect. It's fun, isn't it? It's a cool thought. It you know, is. That... It is. And, and who knows what this will turn into, you know, but how how big this could get and because it is kind of a it's a neat group of people that everybody wants to be a part of this and and it's it's in the pure form you know it's to make things better for the horse and and a lot of friendships and connections are made through the clinics and likewise through this there'll be people who interact with each other that are interested in the same things and that's pretty exciting too. Yeah. It's kind of it's all carried forward in the same way that Ray and Tom had it, you know, for the Yeah, horse. wouldn't it be nice rather than than probably at this moment right now, there's a hundred thousand people all connected on the internet playing a damn video game. Mm -hmm. Well yeah. imagine if they were all connected doing something like what we do every day. Yeah. They got to be a part of that. Something that truly feeds your soul rather yeah. than just takes up a bunch of damn time. Right. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, like Isaac was saying, the Project Arky, we're excited about that. And that'll be available on January 20th. We'd love to hear from you guys to which, jump on. And... Uh, just real quick, which is so cool, because like we talked last time, our, our launch of our big platform, 3Rain, isn't until December 2020. Right. Yeah. So January 20th of 2020 is when this first project will, will be launched. So we'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah. And uh, now before we go, I'd like to say thank you to our good friends in Mauritius uh, for contributing and helping us out. We really appreciate you as well as Amy Dunkelman. Uh, we really appreciate the help you guys. We couldn't do it without you. But Anyways, that'll do it for this episode of The Leading Rain. Until next time, happy trails.
Happy trails.